Well, if you would, please, if you brought your word, did you bring your word to church? I mean, that's something we always, we always need to bring along with us. And so if you got your word, you can go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And today I'm not going to spend much time really uh, beating around any bushes, um, going around any corners, because I'm believing that you came here this morning, you're expecting to hear the word of the Lord, I believe that you came into the house of God, you're full of faith, and so I'm just going to try my best to just shoot straight with you this morning, amen? We're just going to get right to the meat of the word, is that alright? I'm just going to try my best to just preach the hell out of you this morning, is that cool? Alright, alright, Galatians Chapter 2, verse 20. I'm going to read it out loud. You can follow along. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, whom loved me and gave himself for me. I want to underscore in your reading this morning this statement, this life which I now live. I want to preach this morning very briefly, and everyone said amen. On the topic of the life I now live. The life I now live. Turn to somebody and say, the life I now live. Let's pray this morning. Holy Ghost, I thank you for this morning. God, I pray that your spirit would be with me. That as I speak the word, that it would not be my words that people hear, but it would be the divine voice of the Holy Spirit that impacts hearts and lives this morning, Father God. Lord, I pray that as we hear your word, that we would not just be hearers only, but that we would be doers of your word this morning, Lord God. Lord, we understand that this book has all power given to it, that this book is the divine voice of your Holy Spirit speaking to us, God. That the grass wither and the flower fades, but that the word of the Lord will stand forever. God, let it be sealed in our hearts this morning. We give you all praise, all glory, and all honor for what you're going to do in this place. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now, could I see a show of hands, please, of those of you who have children? If you have children, if you are a father or a mother, you have children. Very good, very good. You have kids. Well, this morning, I'm going to use a little illustration that I think everyone, even if you don't have children... I think you're going to be able to relate to pretty easily. Now, I myself, I do not have children. I do not have children. I am, however, engaged to uh, the most beautiful female that I think God has ever graced this earth with. Glory to God. And one day soon, we will be married, and God willing, we will have a family of our own, and that will be a great time. And we'll have children of our own who can who can be a blessing and help me with things and and wait on me. And and maybe one day grow up and and be professional athletes and buy their daddy cool toys. Amen. Amen. But for those of you who have children right now, can we take a trip down memory lane real quick? Can we take a little trip? Is that all right? Do you got time for a trip this morning? All right. Do you remember those times, perhaps... Before children came along, when you and your spouse, two free spirits, you could just hop in the car anytime you'd like. You could drive into the sunset, amen? No plans, not a care in the world. You didn't plan for anything. Time was on your side. 
You could go anywhere, do anything. It could be the middle of the night, and you just look at each other, and you baby, let's just get in the car and drive. And you just drive, not knowing where you're going. You just did because you could. Responsibilities perhaps weren't as heavy. But your spontaneity and your passion for life was at an all-time high, am I right? Am I right? In those early years, your passion for life is at an all-time high. You were used to living life in the moment. Amen? Am I wrong? If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But you were used to living life in the moment. Not a care in the world. But then there came a day. And this day would begin a process that would ultimately rock your world forever. Forever. It would begin to change what you had with your spouse in those early years. It would begin to cause you to live life just a little bit differently. And the day I am referring to is known as conception. Conception. It is the time in which you found out that you were going to conceive a child. That you had something inside of you. Women, that you had something that was growing and developing inside of you. And over the next nine months, as this thing begins to grow and mature, you begin to realize that life just might be a little bit different from here on out. And so here you are, man and wife, with this thing conceived inside of you. And perhaps one night, you know, I don't know how your story goes, but perhaps it went a little bit like this. Perhaps one night, you're there and you're together and you're lying in bed and you're fast asleep. And she looks over at you and she wakes you up, honey, 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 honey I, think, I think my water just broke. And like any man who's tired and half asleep, you're probably, mm-hmm, we'll fix it. And upon realizing that this is something that you can't just fix, you know, you rushed off to the hospital with your wife as she begins to go into labor. Now, at this point in the story, it does not matter if you're prepared. It does not matter if you're mentally prepared, mentally ready, or physically prepared. It doesn't matter if you have a baby room painted and set up yet, because what you have now conceived is about to be birthed into the world. It doesn't matter if you're prepared. And once you have conceived this child and it has been birthed, there ain't no putting them back. And all the mothers said... Amen. There ain't no putting them back. And as you're there in the hospital, you probably began to realize that your life from this moment forward has now drastically changed. Whether you wanted it to or not, change is now here. Once you've given birth to a child, you know, perhaps there are not as many late night drives to nowhere, if any. You know, there aren't as many living in the moment opportunities or not planning for things. There aren't as many chilled out weekends with no responsibility. Amen? Because your life has now changed because of what you have birthed. You know, and it should have dawned on you, and it probably did, that this is not a seasonal change. This is not a seasonal change. It's not like, okay, the baby's here today, gone tomorrow. It's not like that. This is now your child forever. Good, bad, ugly, this is your child forever. This is not a seasonal change. The life you now live. See, once you birth this thing, it's on. It's on. It's not a monthly change. 
It's not a seasonal change. It is a lifestyle forever kind of change. Are you hearing me? It will change the way you live. You know, I believe that the Holy Spirit has allowed me to speak this morning to tell you that God is not looking for a seasonal change. God is not looking for people who will seasonally change. God is asking for a lifestyle change. For some of you, the way you used to live will no longer be possible after you have conceived which God, that which God wants to birth in your life. Amen? The way you used to live will no longer be possible. Are you hearing me? Now, I want to draw to your attention in Galatians 2, verse 20, the word life. In my Bible, it's in italics, the word life, the life I now live. Can you say that? Say now. Say it again. Say now. That is a significant word. That is a big fat word in that verse. All of us in our lives have experienced the life we live. But there must come a point in our Christianity that you experience the life you now live. We've all had the life we live. It's time to experience the life you now live. So in your process of maturity, you have got to go through the gate of Galatians 2 verse 20. It is a verse that is really only met with a head-on collision with the Holy Ghost. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And as I read this verse, I began to think, wow, I have been crucified with Christ. I, I have been executed with Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean to be crucified with Christ? This life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is not some verse that you just glance over in your reading or that you just meander over you know, as you're reading along and say, well, well, isn't that a nice verse? That's just nice. Isn't that sweet? It's not a verse. You don't frolic over Galatians 2.20. You don't just pass it by. This is a verse that every believer has to truly look at and go, wow. Wow. What does that mean? What does that mean to be crucified? The life I now live. You know, my Bible tells me in Luke chapter 12, that to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. So here you are. Here you are today in this moment, in the house of God, as you should be. Each one of you, with the opportunity to absolutely change the landscape of the world that you live in. So what will you do now? What will you do now? It is going to take more than a seasonal change. It will require every man and woman to examine their own lifestyle and ask God, Lord, is there anything that needs to be changed in me? Is there anything that needs to be changed in order for me to live the life I now live? Parents, every time you look at your child, it is a reminder that I will never be the same. I will never be the same. Things will never be the same, you know, as they once were. Why? Because you have birthed something. That which you have conceived has now come about, and you have birthed something. I believe that God is calling us to a new lifestyle. Let me explain. Samuel. Everyone probably knows the story of Samuel. 
But you know what? Before Samuel came about, he had a mama named Hannah. And Hannah couldn't have a baby. And she was so crazy about having a child that she came to the altar of the Lord one afternoon and she fell down on her feet and she was crying out, asking God, God, why can I not have a baby? Lord, please give me a child. And the priest came in and the priest saw her and he said, woman, you shouldn't be drunk in church. She said, pastor, I'm not drunk. I just want a baby. He said, you're for real, aren't you? She said, yeah. He said, well, woman, stand up and go. You'll have a child. And she was so excited. Hannah was so so overwhelmed with what was taking place that she said, well, when I have this baby, I promise right now that I will give him to the work of the Lord, that I will give him to the house of God and that he will serve the Lord. I will dedicate him to the house of God. And the pastor looked at her and he said, well, good, we could use some help around here. And so Hannah, she eventually became pregnant. And after Samuel was nurtured a few years, she brought him to the steps of the synagogue as she had promised. And she handed him over to the priest. And the priest looked at her and he said, Hannah, you come and visit him whenever you want. She said, I will. And here's Samuel. And as a young boy, he began to be raised in the house of God. But one day, Samuel's destiny would change forever. His destiny would change forever. He grew up in the synagogue and he was a faithful man. And he was faithful in sweeping and cleaning the temple. But one night, like any other night, he went to bed. He went to bed and he laid his head down on his pillow. And in, in the bedroom that he had just off the main hall in the synagogue. And as he started to fall asleep, all of a sudden he heard a, heard a, a voice seemingly in the distance. Samuel, Samuel. And, and he got up and, and he thought, oh, sh- surely that was my pastor, surely. And so he gets up out of bed and he runs down the hall. And he, and he knocks on his pastor's door. <clears throat> come, come, come in. Uh, hey, 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 pastor, uh, it, it, it's me. Um, uh, I, I'm here. Did you, did you call me? No, 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 my son, I, I didn't call you. Go, go back to bed, Samuel. Go back to bed. Um, oh, okay, all right. And so he scurries back down to his room. A second time, perhaps an hour, an hour and a half later, Samuel's Samuel's fast asleep. Then he hears the voice again, Samuel, Samuel. And he gets up and he, now, shh, now I know that was my pastor, I know. And so he gets up out of bed and he runs back down and he knocks on his pastor's door. uh, Yeah, come in, come in. Um, hey, hey, pastor, uh, it's, it's me, Samuel, um, pretty, pretty sure you called me this time, um, wh- what can I do for you? Samuel, uh, I didn't, I didn't call you, son, um, I, I'm, listen, I'm tired, I got a lot going on tomorrow, just go, go back to sleep. You, you, you didn't call me, um, well, uh, well, then I'm hearing things, <laughs> um, and he goes back to his room a third time. The voice comes, Samuel, Samuel. Now surely this time it was his pastor and he runs back down and he knocks on his pastor's door and his pastor, come in. Uh, Hey pastor, uh, it's me again. Um, Let me guess, (laughs) you didn't call me. (laughs) And uh, no, I didn't call you. I didn't call you. And so Samuel, so frustrated, not knowing what in the world's going on, he leaves to walk out. But his pastor stops him, wait, wait, Samuel. Samuel, what, 
what does the voice sound like? It sounds like, Samuel, Samuel. And, I mean, and, and, he, and he tells him, and this pastor begins to tell him. He says, Samuel, the voice that you are hearing is God speaking to you. The voice that you're hearing is the Lord speaking to you. And if it happens again, he tells him, he says, you are to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, here's a boy whose job was to sweep the marble floors and pass the offering bucket. And now his pastor's looking at him in the eye, the priest of Israel saying, listen, son, God isn't speaking to anybody around here evidently but you. Because the word of the Lord says that back then the voice of God was rare. He's not speaking to anybody except you. But out of all the people in Israel, God chose a teenage boy who grew up in church, just being faithful, to talk to him and reveal the plan that he had for a nation. Now can you imagine real quick, in your mind... What it must have been like when Samuel left his pastor's room and began to walk down that long hallway back to his room after that third visit. Can you imagine? Can can you just close your eyes right now? Don't feel weird. Just close your eyes and see if you can picture in your head what it must have been like as Samuel, a young teenage boy, is walking back to his room knowing that the God of Israel, the God that he had only heard about in stories from his mom, Or stories in the temple. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is about to speak to him in his bedroom. Wow. What that must have been like. That the God of earth was about to speak to Samuel. You can open your eyes. I am sure that Samuel knew in his heart, everything in my world is about to change. Everything is about to change. You know what? My mom, she used to tell me about God. My pastors, they used to tell me about God, but I have a feeling that when I go back into this room and I lay my head on this pillow, I'm not just going to know about God from other people. I'm going to find God for myself. I'm going to meet God for myself. When I lay my head down on this pillow, things are going to be different forever. Samuel's lifestyle changed. It had to. You don't meet with God and walk away unchanged. It had to. He walked down the hallway that night realizing, this is the life I now live. This is the life I now live. My world will never be the same. That was a defining moment in the life of Samuel. And we all know Samuel went on to prophesy and do amazing things. But I believe even in his life and all that he saw and accomplished, he sees that night as a defining moment. My life from this point on, will never be the same. This is the life I now live. You know, Elisha followed Elijah, and he followed him around to three different cities. And eventually Elijah turned to him and said, boy, why are you following me around? What do you want from me? And Elisha looked at him and said, pastor, I, I, I just want double of what you got. And the response of Elijah is fascinating. And he says to him, he looks at Elisha and he says, you have asked a hard thing or you have asked a difficult thing. And I always thought that was Elijah's way of saying to Elisha, boy, what I got super bad. I don't know if you can handle what I got. I don't know if you can handle it. 
But it wasn't out of pride at all. What it was, was Elijah's way of warning Elisha, do you know the life you are asking for? Do you know the life that you're asking me for? A double portion of what I have. Do you know the life you must live in order to accommodate this anointing? Do you know the life? You know, we always say, and it's easy, it's so easy. We always say, Lord, Lord, God, give me nations. Give me nations, God. Are you sure? Are you sure? Lord, God, God, make me a man of God. Make me a woman of God. Give me opportunity. God, give me a microphone. I want to preach. I want to preach, Lord. Are you sure? Are you sure? Lord, God, give me millions, God. Give me money to finance your kingdom, God. Bless me. Favor me. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you prepared to live that kind of life? Are you prepared to live a life that will require more of you? To whom much is given, much is required. Much is required. It's the life you now live. You see, if we want Galatians 2 verse 20 to be real in our lives, then it's time we let the Lord get a hold of some stuff on us. Amen? If you want this verse to be real, sealed in your heart, then it's time you let God deal with some stuff inside of you. It's time we let him deal with the life we now live. You know, there ought to be a distinct difference between the life you once lived in your old man and the life you now live in your new man. A distinct difference. You know, for some of you, it's going to be dealing with the intake of entertainment that you once had. For others of you, it could be dealing with the overly excessive amount of hobbies you used to enjoy. You know, God will become your hobby. The Holy Spirit will become your romance. And you will absolutely fall in love with fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. It will consume you. It will take over. It will take over your thoughts. Everything you do, you will be impassioned. And your imagination will be harassed by the Holy Ghost. Every day. And you will be satisfied with nothing less than seeing the glory of the Lord cover the face of the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's what happens in the life we now live. The old things will pass away. The things of this world will grow strangely dim. Amen? Amen. What, a, what an awesome line in an old hymn. The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the life we now live. You know, I want to live a life inside of Galatians 2 chapter, or Galatians 2.20. Verse 20, I want to live a life inside this verse, knowing every day what it is to be crucified, to be executed with Christ. That's harsh. That's harsh. But do we truly know what it means to be crucified? To carry your cross daily. Man, you got to look at it and you got to say, wow. You got to find it for yourself, you know. There's nothing I can sit up here and convince you of you got to find it for yourself. For this to become real, 
real inside your heart. You've got to find it for yourself. There's nothing I can say this morning that's going to allow you to walk out of this place with Galatians 2 verse 20 sealed in your heart. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm just showing you the door. You've got to walk through it. Walk through it. Find it out for yourself. Find out what it is to be crucified. Are you ready? Are you prepared to live a life for the purpose that God has given you? You know, I preach and I, and I always seem to talk about dreams. You know, God's given you a dream and he has. He's given you visions inside of things that you want to accomplish in your life. And you know, I just preach to the young people and they can, they can tell you that I say it all the time. That you know it's a God dream when you look at it and you go, there ain't no way. That's impossible. That's when you know it's a God dream. Because, because God's supernatural combined with your ability, anything is possible. That's when you know that you know that it's possible. You know, your God dream that you have brewing inside of you, it's growing inside of you. Are you prepared to live a life that will allow that thing to be birthed? Are you prepared to live a life that will allow that thing to be birthed? Because ready or not, here it comes. And if you're not ready, that thing will die. That thing will die. Are you prepared for what is about to be birthed in your life? God, God, give me dreams, give me dreams. Well, are you sure? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God's going to do? Are you prepared for that lifestyle change? To whom much is given, much is required. If you're taking notes, write that down. To whom much is given, much is required. Luke chapter 12. You know, but there's good news this morning. There's real good news. You know, Timothy... He struggled with the call of God on his life too. But his pastor wrote to him and he said, be strong, son, in the grace. Be strong in the grace. You know, Paul even wrote about himself and said that God said, my grace is what? Is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. You see, you in and of yourself, if you didn't know, are incapable. You are incapable. I am incapable. But God says that with his grace, you are now what? You are sufficient. With God's grace, you are sufficient. You are capable. He can make you capable. That's the kind of God we serve. Isn't that awesome? There's no other God in the world like that. There is no other God in the world, I mean, period. But there is no other God like this. How awesome the God that we serve. How great is our God. How great is our God? You know, and it's my hope today that as you leave this place that you would allow God to speak to your heart and that you would seriously examine yourself about living a different lifestyle. The life you now live. Does the life you now live distinctly look different than the life you once lived? The old man has passed away. The old man has passed away. All things are now what? New. In the life you now live. Transformed. Let us be transformed, Lord God, to the life we now live. You know, I believe for every single person in here, myself included, that the next chapter in our lives will be defined by to whom much is given, much is required. That will define the next chapter in our lives. To whom much is given, much is required. You know, I believe it will be defined by, so what will you do now? So what will you do now? You know, I've told you. So what will you do now? When God speaks to you and you hear revelation, so what will you do now? 
That phrase will define the next chapter in your life. So what will you do now? You know, the nations of the world need what you have. Nations need what you have. But it will cost you the life you now live. It'll cost you the life you now live. The nations need what you have. Your lifestyle must change for the nations. Your lifestyle must change for the nations. Your lifestyle must change for your coworkers. Your lifestyle must change for your family. Your lifestyle must change for favor. For favor. And I don't know, it was probably a year or two ago, I don't even know, but if you can recall, I spoke a sermon once about no one, about favor. Let's not forget what favor looks like. Favor doesn't look like money, money, money. Noah's favor cost him something. It cost him a hundred years of labor, of work. But God saved, spared his life. That's what favor looks like. Favor looks like the hand of God saving your life. The life you now live, your lifestyle must change for the favor. Amen? Amen, I told you I was going to be brief this morning and we're almost done. But you can close your Bibles. I want to tell you a story. It's just going to be a quick story and the young people have already heard it. But I just think it's the most amazing glimpse of what someone can do with their life when they understand the cause that they live for and they're passionate about seeing it fulfilled. When I was in Australia, I heard of this story. It was about this young boy in America. And, um, and he was in high school. He was, he was really young. He was probably only a freshman in high school. You know, he wasn't a senior or anything like that. But um, in, anyways, in class one day, it was in a history class that he learned of William Wilberforce and slavery that took place, you know, back in the day of slavery in, in, you know, in Africa and slavery that was being brought to the United States and slavery in other parts of the world. And, the, and their class was studying slavery. And this could be child slavery. It could be all different sorts of slavery. And so he studied, he studied these things. And this young man began to, began to just become really just passionate about this cause, about slavery and about how awful it was that people were being enslaved. And he learned as he did a little bit of research that there are types of slavery that are going on still today. You know, child slavery for one in, in, in other nations. You know, in, in a lot of Asian cultures, children being made to work all, all day long. You know, for no pay. And, and kids are dying. And people are, and people are in extremely hard conditions. Living horrible lives enslaved and as he learned about these things that were still taking place and in his little mind he just thought wow you know i just thought this was something in a history book i can't believe it's still going on it is still going on as he learned about these things he simply just looked at himself and said you know what i, I gotta do something i have to do something about this and you know and that's funny and and you know if he told his parents i'm sure they were like oh you know you know and they might have just chuckled it off for a second but he said no i i've got to do something about this. And so here's what he did. He goes to school and he talks to his principal and he gets permission to do a few things. And all he does in, in his, you know, in his ninth grade mind, 
And she just says, you know, I, I'm just going to raise money. And, and it's kind of funny. He just thought, well, if people are, are being enslaved, and, you know, back, back in my history books, it says that they used to be bought and sold. Well, I'm just going to raise money, and I'm just going to buy them out of slavery. And that's what he decided, you know. And it's kind of like funny. This, this ninth grader just decides he's going to buy slaves and, and, and set them free and get them out of those circumstances. And so he goes to his principal, and he talks. And the next week he comes into school, and, and during the cafeteria um, hours when kids are coming into lunch, all he did was he simply set up an eight-foot table, and he made this sign out of poster board. And it said, loose change to loosen chains. And that's what it said. And he just set out his poster board, and he set out, you know, a bucket. And, it may, and you know, perhaps he made it like a little flyer, exactly what he was trying to raise money for. And that's all he did in a cafeteria of a high school. You know, kids don't have money hardly any of the time anyways, much less do they want to give it to, you know, a cause where they're not going to see something immediately come back at them. But here he is in his high school cafeteria, and he started this, loose change to loosen chains. And he started this. But you know what was amazing is that kids in school got behind this idea. Kids in school got behind this idea. And they gave towards it. And then you know what? Once, once it became such a big deal in the school and the mayor found out about it, it became a citywide thing. All the schools in the city were doing this. Loose change to loosen chains. Everyone was doing this. But then you know what? It got even bigger than this city to where the county started doing it. All the schools in the county. But then you know what? Once it got that far and all these schools were doing it, other businesses decided, you know what? This is really cool and let's chip in and and we're going to help these kids out and stuff. Because it became such an awesome thing. Till the state began to do it. An entire state is behind this cause. All because a ninth grade boy in his history class decided, you know what? Something should be done about this. I should do something about this. Just a thought. Just an idea. I should do something about this. Until where he's at today, loose change to loosen change, is a multi-million dollar organization, obviously, you know, uh, you know they're, they're not making profit, but he is buying people out of slavery. He, he, is, he is coming against child labor in other nations, and he is setting people free. He's doing everything he can. He's got politicians on his side, influential people. He goes around the United States and around other parts of the world speaking. This kid probably, he's still in high school. I mean, this is only, it's only been a while. I don't know, maybe right now he, he's in the early years of college. But he goes around the world speaking to tens of thousands of leaders, churches, gatherings, all because, hey, I should do something about this. Just a thought. And he goes around and he's seeing amazing impact because of the passion that he lives for because he had a cause in his heart. He had a cause in his heart. And, and, and with his passion, he just said, I'm going to see this thing through and let's just go for it. I'm in the ninth grade. What else do I have to do with my time, you know? And he's going for this thing and amazing things are taking place. I don't know if you've seen the previews, but there's a movie coming out called Amazing Grace. And that's what it talks about. It talks about the, the author of the song and it talks about William Wilberforce and what all took place back then. Well, it was pretty much spawned by this kid's this kid's idea, this whole movie, this whole movement. And you can find it. I mean, you can look at it online, I'm sure. Loose change to loosen chains. And, and now this, this major motion picture is coming out. Look at what all is being accomplished. And look at the message that people are going to hear. I mean, and I've seen previews for this thing. And it's not like beating around any bush. It's, it's, showing, it's showing the God side of what actually took place back then. And the amazing grace. 
the amazing grace that took place. And it's, it's just an amazing thing to see how much impact a young person can have. And you know what? And it's not to say that a young person, you know, are, you know, are, are any less than adults are. But I'm just saying, man, if a ninth grade kid can do it, then put your mind to something. Let, put your mind to a cause. Know the cause that you have in your heart and let's go for it. Let's go for it. Because when your cause is just, and when you're out not for yourself, but you're out to help other people, when it's a godly cause, a righteous cause, God will send you the people that you need to see that thing fulfilled. God sent that young man the people he needed. And now he has businesses on his sides. Celebrities, people who are, you know, um, you know Billy Graham and, and all these names of people who are on this kid's side because he's making a difference. He's making a difference. You can make a difference. And, and just like he started in, in the high school cafeteria, you can start in your workplace. You can start in your family. You can start wherever you want to start. And who knows where it can go. God can lead it to, to links you never thought you could accomplish. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. It's the life you now live. The life you now live. Does it look different than the life in your old man? Does it look different? Your lifestyle must change for the favor. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Did you hear the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. I hope so. I hope you walk out of this place. I hope you're encouraged. You know, I hope you're... I never want to give a message to where people walk out and feel like there's no way. I want to always leave with hope. Amen? Amen. When I leave, when I hear messages, I want to walk out with hope. Man, I'm, I can change my world. I can change my world. And there's nothing that can stop the call of God on my life. There's nothing that can stop the cause that I live for, the cause of Jesus Christ, the cause of seeing this world come to know the power of the grace. Amen? Grace sufficient. Amen. Let's bow our heads as we pray. You know, Father God, I thank you right now for your word this morning, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that your word is like a two-edged sword, that it pierces the hearts of people, Father God. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't, just, it wouldn't just come in for a little while and leave after lunch, Lord God. But I pray that we sincerely let this thing settle down. Let it be solid in our spirits, Lord. Let it go down deep. God, make this word real in our life. Lord God, make Galatians 2, verse 20 real in our lives. Teach us what it is to be crucified. God, wow. What is it to be crucified? Teach us, Lord, daily what it means to be crucified. Hallelujah. You know, you know, men, what you used to find entertaining won't be entertaining anymore. Ladies, you know, what used to take up all of your time, it's not going to take up your time anymore. The things of this world, like I said, are going to grow strangely dim next to the life you now live. Things will be different. Things should be different. God let things be different. Lord, teach us what it is to live the life we now live. God, let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth, God, in our lives as it is in heaven. Lord God, we don't take for granted the favor. We don't take for granted the blessing. But God, we know right now that the favor and the blessing will cost us the life we now live. And God, for those of us who are saying, Lord, we're willing, 
we are willing, then we will be prepared to live the life we now live. We will be prepared for a distinct difference in lifestyles. God, speak to your people this morning. Let it be real. Let it be real. God, show us. Show us the life we are now to live. You know, Father, you are the only hope of the world. God, you are the only hope of the world. Next to you, there is no hope. God, let your hope be real to us. God, we can, we can change the world. Twelve men were sent out and completely revolutionized the world we live in. It will never be the same. God, one man, your son, came to earth, and people are still talking about him thousands of years later. God, we can make a difference. We can change the landscape of the world that we live in. It is not impossible, Lord. Your sufficient grace has made it possible. God, empower us. Empower us to do things that we never even thought imaginable. Empower us. Holy Spirit, do a work this morning. You know, right now, before we go any further, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, friend, the word of God is clear that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy you. To steal, kill, and destroy you. The enemy did not come to give you a bad week. He didn't come to give you a bad hair day. He didn't come to, you know, mess up your holiday plans. To make your boss frustrated at you. That's not why the enemy came. He came to destroy you. And the sooner we understand that, the sooner we can understand that Christ came, that we can have what? Have life. Christ has come to give life and to give it more abundantly. Friend, that's the God we serve. We serve a God who wants to give life. You know, there's many people walking around today. Yeah, they're alive, but they ain't living. They might be alive. Their heart might be beating, but they're not living Christ came that you might have life. And right now, before we go any further, if you, if you would say to yourself, maybe you walked into this place today, and you know what, I'm not, get, I'm not even going to have to say anything, really, because right now your heart's probably beating a million miles an hour, and that's the Holy Spirit dealing with you. But if you walked into this place today, and you're not right with God, you're simply not where you need to be, then the Lord sent me here today to tell you that things can be different. Today can be your change. Today can be your change. That night as Samuel walked down the hall, he knew to himself, man, things will be different from here on out. Because they can never be the same. And friend, God is here in this place today. The Holy Spirit is here to minister to you. And when you meet with Him, as Moses did at the burning bush, you cannot walk away the same. You cannot. And so today, if you came in here, came into the house of God, that's awesome. But you know that you know that you're not where you need to be. I'm, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I would just simply say to you, if you could just raise your hand right, right where you're at. Just to acknowledge God right where you are. Right where you are right now. Amen. And you can put your hands down. Friend, our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He didn't mess around. When you confess to Him, He says, there they are. And He moves. And He moves and He does a new work. And you will never be the same. You will never be the same having met with the living, true God.
Hallelujah. Lord, I speak a blessing over every individual that raised their hand this morning. I thank you for their boldness, Lord God. I thank you that they were willing to put their hand up to say, God, God, it's me, Lord. It's me. I'm not where I need to be, but I know that you can put me where I need to be. Let your sufficient grace outpour on my life. God, grace sufficient with whatever ability I bring to the table, God. We can do amazing things together. That's the God we serve. Supernatural can be accomplished with him. It doesn't have to make sense on paper. It doesn't have to make sense in your head. The God dream that you have, you might think, Lord, this is impossible. How, how am I ever going to do this? Do you see where I live? Do you see the, the job that I have right now? God, how can I ever accomplish this thing that I think you've put in my life? Well, God looks at you and he says, I'm the Lord God of heaven and earth. And my supernatural combined with your faith and your willingness, we can do amazing things together. How awesome is our God? How awesome. You know, guys, God wants you to succeed. He wants you to succeed this morning. And as we leave here, as I prayed before, don't be hearers only. Oh, I bet if there's anything that really just aggravates God, it's it's people that are just hearers. Don't let it go out the other ear. Stop it. Get it in your spirit. Be a doer of his word. Amen. Be a doer of his word. God wants you to succeed. He's 100% behind you fulfilling that which he has placed inside of you. Friend, you got something. You, you have conceived something today. You have conceived something today. But if you want to see that thing be birthed, are you prepared to live the life you now live? The life you now live. A life that allows the dream and the calling inside of you to be birthed. Say, just repeat after me. Say, Lord God, I want to live the life I now live. I never want to be the same after I meet with you today in this place. I will never, ever be the same. It's important that we confess with our mouth. It's so important that we confess with our mouth. God, we give you this morning, Lord. We give you the rest of this day. In fact, we give you our lives. Have your way. God, we might be at a place of glory right now, but your word says we go from glory to glory. This this is not the end of the road. It's only getting better from here. The past is gone. The past ain't as good as we thought. The best is yet to come. The best things are yet to come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, guys, I hope you heard the word of the Lord today. I sincerely do. And I pray that you be blessed in your going and in your coming this week. You know, I believe that God can pour out favor like never before. This could be the week you've been waiting for, uh, for a long time coming now. And so be blessed. We'll see you in the house of God on Tuesday. Remember the relationship combined net meeting this Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Be blessed, be safe, and we'll see you next week. Amen.